In case you guys missed the Christmas service, we didn't have it. We want to keep Christmas alive all year round. And incidentally, the Christmas apocalypse, the printed version, will be on the information desk after church today. You say, how do you know? Because I just know. I just know it's going to appear there. Today, as promised, albeit a week later than we promised, Apocalypse 2023, special message. I just decided that this morning. So, Christ the Conqueror and the New Apostolate is the name of today's apocalyptic message. Apocalypse 2023, Christ the Conqueror and the New Apostolate, A-P-O-S-T-O-L-A-T-E. And I said last week that I was looking in the dictionary for the word censor, that's C-E-N-S-E-R, censor. I remember as an altar boy, yes, I was an altar boy back when I was a good boy, One of us, in some of the processions that we had within the Catholic Church at St. John the Baptist in North Bennington, one of us would have the censer, and we'd hold it up, and there was uh, incense burning, and we would walk through following the priest, and all of the aroma would fill the church, the aroma of the incense. And so we all got to be incense bearers. They're called, in the Greek, thurifers, or carriers of the incense. It's from a Greek word, thusios, which means sacrifice. It's the aroma of a sacrifice. And I also mentioned that, oddly enough, looking up the word censer, which is the container for the incense, there was a picture of Pope Benedict XVI in my dictionary, a colored picture of him holding a censer. And I looked that up a couple of days before he went to be with the Lord. I read one of his books on eschatology, and it was quite brilliant. It dispelled the whole notion of purgatory, which was a false doctrine, and he did a marvelous job in eschatology. He was a research specialist and a theologian and ordained the year I was born as a priest, and we mentioned a little bit about him last week. But the censer was held by him in this picture. And again, my dictionary was opened up to that page. At the same moment, I looked at the news app on my phone just before I was ready to come into service and heard about him passing into the presence of the Lord that day. So there's some connections here that I want to make to the censor and we as censor bearers. This also is going to go to a fifth question. We did four questions on December 18th as we wound the year down on who is God, who is Jesus Christ, what is the new covenant, what is the new covenant community. This goes to a fifth question or question five, what is the ministry and mission of the new covenant community? And this also may be an introduction to a possible series of teachings which I'm simply going to call two core, that's two and C-O-R. That's how I see things for abbreviation when we look at 2 Corinthians, two core. And that may end up branching into another series in 2023 or beyond because it's really compiling now in my study. I have a mountain of doctrine that I need to move And that's going to mean that we're going to have to double up our meetings pretty soon, I think. This will also then be an introduction to a possible series of teachings called Two Core, which may be interwoven with Hebrews 2020 or maybe a separate series because of the remarkable amount of doctrine that's fitting for us in that place. So I'd like you to turn to 2 Corinthians. This message stands alone. It's Apocalypse 2023. It sets the tone for this coming year, spiritually speaking, and again, it's Christ the Conqueror and the New Apostolate. And I want to set that up by going first to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1, which simply says, Paul, 
an apostle. That's where we get our word apostolate. An apostolate is a group of people, men and women, who form the, a group of apostles, which are sent representatives. I've been reading the Aramaic Bible recently, and it's interesting the translations they have for apostle. It's simply sent representative. For the word truth, they have the word rainbow sign, the rainbow sign pointing back to the covenant with Noah that God would never destroy the earth. And so truth to the Aramaic writers and readers of the time was simply called the rainbow sign. They were a very poetic and artistic group of people. They also have for the Holy Spirit, the spirit wind, and he's called the ever tapping spirit wind. And this is going to be very relevant to us because the picture is of the Holy Spirit always tapping with his chisel to form us into the image of Christ. So every day there's a thousand, you know about those, don't you? A thousand taps from the chisel. Sometimes they seem to be knocking off larger chunks of marble than we would care for. But he's ever tapping, the ever tapping spirit wind, the Lord the Spirit. We've dubbed this year the year of the Lord the Spirit. And in a second case, the year of the perishing and the being saved. The Aramaic Bible also has, for being saved, those who are given life. For the perishing, they have the disappearing ones. Very interesting concepts. We may blend them into our concept here. So if you're wondering why your life is the way it is, it's because the Holy Spirit is in you and he's ever tapping with the chisel. Always ever tapping with the chisel. So again, this message will begin with 2 Corinthians 1.1. Paul, an apostle of Messiah Jesus by the will of God. There we have it right off the bat, this keyword thelema. T-H-E-L-E-A-E-M-A, Thelema, and the Thelema of God. And so I would say immediately with the doctrine that's compiled in my own soul and has accumulated in my own soul, that's how I'm going to exegete from now on. Far less looking at other sources, far more looking to the Lord, the Spirit. So what would I say instead of a commentary at this point? When it says, Paul, an apostle of Messiah Jesus by the will of God, I would say that is by the mystery of his will. Paul is an apostle by the mystery of God's will according to his benevolent intention, which is God intended in him in Ephesians 1, 9 through 11, for the administration of his household in the fullness of times to gather up and sum up all things in Christ. That's the will that's being talked about here, the will of God. Things in the heavens and things on earth, in whom, in him and in whom you were predestined to be made his inheritance according to the purpose set forth by the one God who affects everything according to the unstoppable resolution of his will. The lemma again, Ephesians 1, 11. And so that's the will by which Paul was made a sent representative of Messiah Jesus, the will of God, the infinitely loving Father. This is the same will of God our Father, according to which Jesus Christ, quote, gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. Paul, from what does God desire to rescue us? The answer, this present evil age. Paul, why didn't you say hell? Paul would say, what the hell? There is none. Galatians 1.4, we are saved from this present evil age, which is rescued by Jesus Christ because he died for our sins. Paul, who is an apostle, an emissary, or a sent representative, by the will of God is an emissary of Christ Jesus. Paul's commission according to Romans 16, 25 to 26, is to proclaim Jesus Christ according to the apocalypse of a mystery. The apocalypse of a mystery. One meaning of apocalypse is the dramatic unveiling from two Greek words, apo, which means away from, and then the word kalumna, which is Veil, which is a key word in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, where we're going to be going 
not too far in the future. Apo plus kalumna, or the verb kalupto, we have then apocalypse, or apocalypse, apocalypto. So one meaning of apocalypse means the dramatic unveiling, literally the taking away of a veil or a mask over someone or something. In 2 Corinthians 1.1, Paul mentions that he is with Timothy the brother, Timothy the brother, at the writing of this missive. For this reason, it's reasonable to assume that the brother, Timothy, is included with Paul the apostle when Paul uses the first person plural, we, throughout much of 2 Corinthians. Now, the one who solidifies us with you in Christ, that's in 2 Corinthians 1, 21 to 22. Please note that. The one who solidifies us with you in Christ, that word solidify is the Aramaic rendering of what we would see normally as confirms us with you, solidifies us with you. We have the being saved as being solidified, the perishing as disappearing, but there's good news for both. So the plural that Paul uses here includes not only Timothy the brother, but as it expands through 2 Corinthians, it includes the whole readership from the first century that read this epistle. It also includes us in the 21st century. And I'm making a case out of this that we are the 21st century apostolate together with the Apostle Paul. We are the apostolate, the new apostolate atlot on the level of our time in history. So again, the plural, first person plural is used throughout much of 2 Corinthians. It's not just what we call an associative plural or a royal we, it is in fact a plural that includes you. And again, to prove that or to demonstrate that, again, 2 Corinthians one twenty one. Now the one who solidifies us with you in Christ Jesus, bebeon hemas sun human, you'll see all this in print also including the Greek text, and anointed us, the word anointed is like Christos, it's Christos, C-H-R-I-S-A-S. The one who anointed us is God, Theos, 2 Corinthians 1, 21 to 22. Then if you go to where we're going to go today, God always leads us, that's Paul, the apostle, and the readership of the first century and the readership of the 21st century, that's all of us. God always leads us, and that's where we're going to pick up in a few minutes, in a triumphal procession in Christ, Second Corinthians 2.14. Hold that thought because that's going to become prominent in our message today in a 2023 apocalypse. God how about this one, 2 Corinthians 3.6? God has made us, hemas, competent to be ministers of a new covenant. What is the ministry of the new covenant community? That's what we're going to be answering. How about this one? God, through Christ, reconciled us. This is an apocalypse for 2023. 2 Corinthians 5.18-21, I'll give you my whole translation of it. God, through Christ, reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, plural, the word of reconciliation, the word of the reconciliation, literally the message of the reconciliation. So in behalf of Christ, we work as ambassadors as God makes his appeal through us. God makes his appeal through us. Not just Paul, not just Paul and Timothy, Paul and Timothy and the saints in Corinth and his readership in southern Greece at the time, and we in the 21st century, the new apostolate atlat on the level of our time. And this is, above all, a message that equips us for the work of the ministry, the work of the mission and the ministry.
So again, 2 Corinthians 5.18, God through Christ reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, that's the new covenant community, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and has placed in us, in human, the word of the reconciliation. So in behalf of Christ, we work as ambassadors, as God makes his appeal through us. D. Hamon. We urge you in behalf of Christ, receive and acknowledge by faith your reconciliation with God. For God made him who never knew sin to be made sin for us to the end that we, that's all of humanity, the whole world, would be made the righteousness of God in him. That's 2 Corinthians 5:18 to 21. My purpose is to show the first person plural, Paul and the first, and Paul and the 21st century apostolate of ambassadors. Here's my thesis from this. And this is a thesis that will hang over all of 2023 and beyond. Our message to the world is not that they believe in order to be reconciled, but that they believe they have been reconciled, for they have been reconciled to God by God in Christ. I'll say that again. Our message to the world is not that they believe in order to be reconciled, but that they believe that they have been reconciled. For they have been reconciled to God by God in Christ. That's called the gospel. That's called good news, and it isn't bad news. I heard a preacher who had the false gospel recently on television, and they're all excited about him because he's a new preacher. And he gave, first of all, the false gospel, and then said, it's good news. And then he said, oh, but there's bad news. And that's exactly, at least he's honest. There is no bad news in the good news. Paul called it my gospel. I call it my gospel. My gospel doesn't have bad news for anybody. In all of these cases, we can say that not only a first, but a 21st century readership of this missive have solidarity with Paul. And inasmuch as this is true, we are all and together the apostolate. Nothing like 2 Corinthians in this regard. As the New Covenant community, we are the new apostolate atlot. As such, we are incense bearers in a triumphal procession of Christ the Conqueror. 2 Corinthians 2.14, this is where we pick up. Thanks to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in the Messiah, spreading the fragrance of his knowledge through us in every place. That's the New Testament atlat on the level of our time, the New Testament community. Look at it again. Thanks to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in the Messiah, spreading the fragrance of his knowledge through us in every place. The picture, a conquering hero parading behind him, the conquered general. For example, there's the example that we've given before, Julius Caesar, 46 B.C., Vercingetorix, the king and general of the Gauls. He's defeated. He's brought into Rome for a triumphal procession. Caesar leads it, and the armies follow, and there are behind them Vercingetorix in a chariot bound on the way to death. Vercingetorix being led to death, probably with his family, probably with his coadjutant generals, and that was called the, the conquering triumphal procession. But there's another procession in history that I want to mention to you in a moment that is more relevant to the Corinthians and to us at this time. So you picture this triumphal procession going through the streets of Rome, and there's an Arc of Triomphe like there is in Paris, the Arc of Triomphe. It's a triumphant arc, and there's the execution. But along that parade route are censor bearers, and the censor bearers have incense. And we're going to actually show you that we not only see Jesus, but we smell Christ in his resurrection. There is a, an aroma in his garments. It was Nicodemus that put 75 pounds of spices 
in his garments, in his resurrection garments. And this man, Christ Jesus, spoken of in Psalm 45, is spoken of as emitting an odor from his garments, a beautiful and splendid odor. It is the odor of the death of death, the antithesis of the odor of death, the death of death, the smell and aroma of resurrection. And this is what we have in our censers. Now, there's another procession. Paul probably wrote 2 Corinthians in A.D. 51 or 52. Fresh on the minds of everybody was a triumphal procession. And so Ellicott's commentary for English readers actually brings us in on this. He says, it is not without interest to remember that when St. Paul wrote, probably 51 to 52 A.D., the latest triumph at Rome had been solemnized at Rome by Claudius in honor of Astorius over the Britons in A.D. 51. The Britons were a tough lot. They were tough to bring down even by the Romans. And commemorated by a triumphal ark, the inscription on which is now to be seen in the courtyard of the Barbieri Palace or the Barberini Palace in Rome. And that in that triumph, he said, Caratacus, or Caractacus, that's C-A-R-A-C-T-A-C-U-S, the defeated general, had figured as a prisoner. And that he and his children, spared by the mercy of the emperor, had passed from the ranks of the lost, and that's how they wrote it up in the triumphant, in in the Latin, the lost, and those of the saved. They passed from the ranks of the lost to the ranks of the saved. So the conquered general, the enemy, in that case, passed from the lost or the perishing or the disappearing to the saved. He was called saved, once lost, called saved by the generosity of the emperor, Emperor Claudius. According to a view taken by some writers, Claudia, and speaking of Christmas, Linus, Found in 2 Timothy 4.21, Claudia and Linus, whom Paul mentions in his last letter, may have been among those children of the conquered general Caractacus who were spared and became Christians. Claudia and Linus, therefore, must have understood what it meant to be in a triumphal procession and spared as the perishing. Publius Astorius Scapula was his name. The governor of the Roman Britain in 47 to 52 AD was the conquering general. His name was Publius Astorius Scapula. And he died in 52, shortly after this triumph. He quelled the revolt of the Britons led by Caractacus and finally defeated him in 51. And he was honored with a triumphal insignia and probably a triumphal procession in which Caractacus and his children were spared by the mercy of the emperor. How much more the emperor of the universe who saves all the lost, according to John 6, 12, in order that none would disappear, none would perish. The savor of his knowledge, and that's obviously a reference to the incense, which is in the above description, an essential part of the triumph of a Roman general. It's there that St. Paul finds an analog, says Ellicott, to his own work. He claims to be, as it were, a thurifer. A thurifer is, it's an interesting word too, even though it's not found in the Greek text here. Thurifer is another word for censor. A thurifer comes from a Greek root, thuos, which also comes from the Greek word thusia, which means sacrifice, and thusiasterion, which means altar of sacrifice. And so we have already, we have indicated here the aroma of the fragrant sacrifice of Christ, the aroma to the Father, a pleasing aroma, which indicates the Father's propitiation or expiation and pleasure with the Son's sacrifice. That's the incense in the thurifers. And so the savor of his knowledge, and again, Ellicott, I think, is right to say that this is a reference to 
the knowledge of Jesus Christ that we have of him. And this word thurifer is related to censor, related in turn to sacrifice, as in Ephesians 5, 1 to 2, Philippians 4, 18, Hebrews 13, 15. And a thurifer is an incense bearer in the procession of the conqueror. Words, whether of praise or prayer, Ellicott says, thanksgiving or preaching, that were there but incense clouds to be all around. In other words, the gospel preached were in, is like incense clouds all around. As they were wafted in the air, the tidings that the conqueror had come. The tidings that the conqueror had come. The gospel of Christus Victor, Christ the Victor. The metaphor here is of the public triumphal procession is also highlighted in Colossians. Colossians 2.15, where Christ is pictured in a glorious, victorious parade due to his conquest of principalities and powers. And that's going to be very relevant to us in, the 20, in 2023 and 24 because it is principalities and powers in evil and high places that are active and have been activated in our nation today to the point where they have even destroyed clarity with regard to human gender. They have even destroyed the notions of true human freedom. They, have, they are behind, as the spirit of this age, the spirit of this evil age, behind much more than you could possibly imagine to destroy a nation of freedom. And it's not going to be won on the battlefields of this world. It's going to, the battle against these principalities and powers has been won in Jesus Christ and will be practically won in our time through the power of the word that we proclaim and through the triumph that is announced by our gospel. And so we have today an apostolate on the level of our time. And so again in Colossians, we have this splendid picture of Jesus leading in his train principalities and powers that he defeated in his death on the cross and his resurrection. And this is precisely what Paul is talking about here. The fragrance of Christ is what's being spread from censers or thurifers from the burning incense along the triumphal parade route, announcing the Messiah's triumph over principalities and powers, inclu including the most important of those powers, death himself, death personified, Thanatos, is the ultimate principality, the ultimate power that's destroyed and the last enemy that will be destroyed in 1 Corinthians 15, 26. So though not used specifically here, the concept is that the gospel proclaimers or the apostolate atlot, that's you and I today, being thurifers, we are acolytes or altar boys and girls, we could say, who carry an incense-bearing thurible, so thurible and thurifer are censors. They refer here to sacrifice. And, of course, the myrrh and the frankincense that we sang about today is part of the spices that are burning and as many other things, too. There is, if you study the actual spices that are mentioned in Psalm 45 or the Septuagint of 44 and the spices, study the spices that were in Jesus' garments you will find a very fragrant aroma. In fact, somebody actually made a male cologne out of some of the things, the cinnamon and the aloe wood and a few other of the things put together, vanilla and other things, into a male fragrance. That would be interesting. I might even consider wearing that. I'm not a cologne dude. But though not used specifically here, the concept is that the gospel proclaimers are acolytes carrying incense-bearing Censors. And these are Latin alterations. This word thurifer or thurible are Latin alterations of the Greek thuos for sacrifice or thuane for to sacrifice, 
related in turn to thusia, which speaks metaphorically of the death of Christ as an offering of himself to God, which we have in Hebrews 9.14 and 9.26, which God receives as a fragrant aroma, Ephesians 5.2, Osmain Euodius, and also here in 2 Corinthians 2.14. A life lived outside of ourselves and in Christ in 2 Corinthians 5.15. Outside of ourselves and in Christ also proceeds to the Father as a fragrant aroma, something that pleases him. Nothing pleases God but faith, and a life lived in faith is a life lived extra nos, outside of ourselves, in Christo, in Christ, by the power of the Spirit, the ever-tapping Spirit wind. That brings much glory to the Father. For Thusia, you can see also Hebrews 13.15, also Romans 12.1, offer yourself as a living Thusia, and thuo, for, to sacrifice, you can find in Mark 14, 12, Luke 22, 7, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. This is where the studying I'm doing dovetails, and I mean dovetails, with Brian's study on the Paschal Lamb. Deuteronomy 16, 2, 16, 4, and 16, 6. But look at this in 2 Corinthians 2, 15, to follow our exegesis. For to God, we're the fragrance of Christ. To God, we're the fragrance of Christ. Among those who are being saved, we also dubbed this year the year of the being saved. The Aramaic would say the year of the being given life. And among those who are perishing, the Aramaic would say, in the process of disappearing. To the one group, we are the fragrance of death. Listen to this translation, though. Being led to death. Instead of Vercingetorix being led to death, death, which is personified not only in Paul, but in John, in Revelation, the only name not written in the Lamb's Book of Life is Thanatos, also known as Hades or Hades. The only name not written in the Book of Life is the name of something God did not create called death. It is death that goes into the second death, the lake of fire. And with it, all of the disappearing old man, the old man disappears in the process. He's cast into the lake of fire, as it were. What you were in Adam is cast into the lake of fire. What you are in Christ survives. And that's the whole message that we're bearing here. So it says, instead of Vercingetorix being bound and led to death, picture death being led to death. That's good news. That's not bad news to the perishing. That's good news to the perishing. And good news to the being saved. So, for to God, we're the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one group, we're the fragrance of death being led to death. To the other group, we're the fragrance of life being led to life. And Paul then says, and who is competent for these things? Doesn't, we would say it today this way. Doesn't this blow your mind? Who can even figure this? From death to death, ek thanatu, eis thanatu. From life to life, ek zoes, eis zoen. They're complementary concepts a fragrance of death to death. The fragrance of death is horrific. Remember what they said about Lazarus, by now he stinketh, says the King James. Death, but death led to death gives the glorious, indescribable odor and fragrance of the death of death. That's what Jesus' garments smell like. If he were to walk by here today, you would be experiencing an aroma of something you've, that's otherworldly altogether because we not only see Jesus, 
May I even say we smell Jesus. And we will when we see him. There will be an aroma that wafts throughout heaven. It's the aroma of the garments of the resurrected Christ. Why the garments? Well, in the, in the transfiguration, it wasn't just his face that shone with glory, but so did his garments. There's a lot could be said about that. The gospel emits and disperses the fragrance of the death of Christ, which is the death of death and the resurrection stored up in his death, as Athanasius put it. It's the fragrance of life unto life. Picture Vercingetorix then being led as a captive in the triumphal procession in Rome. Smell the clouds of incense that are dispersed in the air, giving the smell of the victory of life to all who were threatened by him and his armies, and the smell of impending death to Vercingetorix. Now picture instead of Vercingetorix, the Gallic general, death being led to death, the second death, the death of death. So to the disappearing, the gospel is the news of the death of death. Why are people so desperate to find some identity? Because they know in their hearts they're disappearing. They're perishing. Why are they not content with their identity as it is? Because they're unaware of redemption, unaware of salvation. They've been taught and indoctrinated since children in institutions of education, not to believe the message of the scriptures, not to believe the absolute truth, the rainbow sign is taken from them and it's transferred to some other silly thing. The rainbow sign intended for children to understand is the covenant of God which he will never destroy the earth or the planet or people or the universe or them. It's taken away from them. And so they're not content with their identity as is. They seek for it elsewhere. They do not know redemption. They do not know the message of reconciliation. They do not know of the death of death in Jesus Christ and of the life led to life in him. And so it's compassion that we must have as we preach this gospel. And so picture Thanatos being led to death. He's not spared. The gracious and merciful emperor may be sparing all and be merciful to all, but he's not sparing of death. Death was not part of his original creation. Everything that God creates, he redeems. He did not create death, nor did he create Hades, which is just another name for death. They're equated. Revelation Throwing death into the second death is the best piece of news you could ever read. It's not a bad thing. It's not a frightful thing. It's not a terrible thing. It's not a horror show. It's not something you want to scare your friends with because you want to scare them with the message of hell. So to the disappearing, the gospel is the news of the death of death to which they are ultimately headed. A death meaning their total annihilation and that it's been stopped in Christ. The gospel is the aroma of the death of the entropy by which the entire universe tends toward impending death. Entropy, as it's called by physicists, is actually the tendency of the universe toward absolute zero or toward death. That, too, has been reversed. The entropy in the universe is reversed reversed because the Lamb of God took away the sin of the cosmos. Death is led to death. Elsewhere, Paul speaks of death being abolished or brought to an end, and he taunts death, trash talks death itself as having lost its sting and its victory in his chapter on the resurrection. Hey, death, where's your sting now? Hey, death, where's your victory? In the original Greek text, the word Hades is used for death, death and then Hades. Paul puts it on death both times because he equates death with Hades. The only name not found in a book of life is death. That's sensible, I think. Paul taunts death in 1 Corinthians 15.55, and so death undergoes death. 1 Corinthians 15.26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. 
All other enemies are brought into submission, salvific submission to Christ and spared by the glorious conqueror, our Lord Jesus Christ. Only death gets led to death. He cites Hosea 13, 14 in that connection in 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Well, John in the apocalypse of Jesus Christ depicts death and Hades being thrown into the lake of fire. Death undergoes death in the second death in Revelation 20, 14. And John declares that in the new heavens and the new earth, as well as the new Jerusalem, death will exist no longer and will have passed away. Death passed away. The obituary of death, Revelation 21, 4. In both Paul and John, death, Thanatos, is personified as a mortal being who dies. And so this is what's being talked about here. And I used to think it was the same thing because I read the commentaries and heard the preachers and said, death to death for the perishing. We're talking about they're going to die someday, and then after their death, there's going to be the second death. They're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. That's, what we're, that's not what it's saying here. The gospel that we preach and the odor and aroma that comes from our censors is the announcement of death to death. In this case, Caractacus and his children, Linus and Claudia, are spared. They go from the disappearing to the solidified. They go from the perishing to the being saved. Yes, there are two categories of people in this world today, the perishing, the disappearing, and the being given life or the being saved. But both will ultimately be saved, and that's why our message is not, hey, if you believe you can be reconciled or believe to be reconciled. No, you've been reconciled, now believe it. Acknowledge your reconciliation is what we're saying. It's you've been reconciled, and with that comes the light of Messiah rushing in to the darkness of their tohu wabohu chaotic souls in 2 Corinthians 4.6, speaking of 2 Corinthians 2 core. So, I think we have in 2 Corinthians 2.14 to 16, much the same idea with the phrase, the fragrance of death to death. At least it's worthy of consideration that Paul is emphatic elsewhere in the Corinthian correspondence that death is an enemy that dies as a conquered enemy, combatant, led in triumphal procession because he also shows life being led to life as death is led to death. Moreover, he makes the analogy that he and other preachers of the gospel of the glory of the Christ, including us, the new apostolate Atlot, are thurifers or incense bearers carrying the censer of burning incense alongside this procession, walking on the king's highway with everybody else, causing the aroma of death to death and life to life to be dispersed to all the parade goers, both the perishing and the being saved. We got a great message for the perishing, the death of death. We got a great message to the perishing, the life of life. We have a great message to the saved, the death of death, and the life to life. What does it mean, life to life? It means Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life, comes to life, and his life leads to life in all of humanity, in all of time. For in Christ, all will be made alive. So life is led to life in that the life of Jesus Christ in his resurrection is led into all of the human race in all times in the general resurrection in which life will be for all. And that's what we announce. That's the apocalypse of 2023. This is the 20. 23 apocalypse it's the apocalypse of christ the conqueror and of the new covenant community as the censor bearers everywhere we go everywhere we go the world is our parish p-a-r-i-s-h so we announce to them that they need not perish we're being led in this triumphal procession not only is those who were conquered, we were conquered. And not only those who are not perishing but being saved. 
but we are following in the parade as the censor bearers through whom the smell of Christ is dispersed all along the route, all along the King's Highway, which is last year's theme, I believe, that goes into this year. Who can make these things happen? Paul's, he, he literally stops and says, this is too much for me. I can't handle How do we even say this to people? And who can lead death to death, for example? Who's, who's equal to these? Who can do that? If you can lead death to death and life into life, then you can save yourself. Who can make these things happen? Who can lead death to death but God who overcame death in Jesus Christ, removing death's sting along with the stinger? And we know this. This, this year was one of the years I got stung by the most angry wasp or whatever it was. No, I don't think it was a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. It was a, it was a bee or a hornet. They were building a nest in, uh, above our door, and I, was, I opened the door, and one of them hit me right in the ear. And I went, oh, and I pulled the stinger out. I, it hurt for a week. I don't know what was in it, but it hurt for a week. So that bee dropped dead. His stinger was gone. Hey, death, where's your sting? So at least I could say to that son of a bee, <laughs> there's your, you're dead now. Your stinger is right here, and I had to pull it out of my ear. But this is the point. Death, where's your stinger now? Where's your sting? Death, sometimes it says sheol or grave, but Paul used death twice to show us something. Yes, the Greek text, the original Greek text says death and Hades, Thanatos and then Hades. Yes, it said that, but Paul said death twice. Why? Because Hades is death. Death is Hades. It's the same. Death and the grave or Sheol, it's all the same. Gehenna, death, the same. And the Aramaic is smart enough to know that the word hell isn't found in the whole Aramaic New Testament. They knew enough to know that it was the Valley of Hinnom around Jerusalem. They knew that. The original Greek authors knew that. It's just people in our own time that don't know that, that Paul addressed in 1 Corinthians 15.36. Moron. And he talks about the resurrection then. He talked to people that didn't believe in the bodily resurrection, and they didn't believe that it was coming for them. And he called them morons, or non-thinkers, I think he called them. So then, now the righteous shall smite me, and it will be a kindness. I've had people that have spoken to me very harshly like that, and I thought it was a kindness, because you get slapped by someone who's doing you good, you say, I can, I can dig it. Thank you for that. And so Paul could say, oh, Galatian idiots. And Jesus could say, oh, fools and slow of heart to believe. And Paul could say, idiot, because it was love in every case. But it also may have involved a little bit of disappointment. So the point here is, who can lead life to life but God? Who can bring Jesus, who is life, to life, and with him the gift of eternal life to all? For the wages of sin is death to all in Adam, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord to all in Christ. And who's even up to the task of expressing the vast import of this new covenant? Who, indeed, which of us can actually express the inexpressible love of God like that? It's a challenge. I've never been successful at doing it. I can't do it. I can't express the infinitude of his love. So the point being made here so far is that the same aroma of Christ is being spread both to the perishing, the Aramaic disappearing, for whom death is being led to death, because those who are dead in sins are slated to be made alive in Christ, for in Christ all will be made alive, and those who are being saved also hear the message, for whom life is led only to life, who were dead in sins and have been made alive together with Christ. Eternal life had now in Christ. Eternal life experienced in some measure 
although minimally, for sure, in this world, in this age. But this life leads to eternal life and bodily resurrection. So both of the effects of this fragrance are positive, not negative. It's not good news, oh, but there's bad news. Good news, but oh, if you don't believe, you're going to burn forever in hell, and so did your aunt so-and-so and your uncle so-and-so, who obviously was a heavy drinker. He's burning forever in hell. That's part of my good news, the bad part. Yeah, that's really the gospel, all right. That's a damnable heresy, and it's about time we squashed that thing and trampled it underfoot and then threw it in a trash barrel and let it go to hell. That gospel can go to hell. I, for one, am very sick of it, and so I want to preach the real one. One is the fragrance of death being led to death. The other is life being led to life. The death that came through Adam dies. It came upon all the human race in Romans 5.12. That death dies. The life that came through Jesus Christ lives forever and for all. For in Christ all will be made alive. The fragrance of Christ to God is the fragrance of his universally saving significance and the universally saving impact of the death of the cross which he endured for all. And so, as we wind to a close, the assumption that these verses, and this verse in 15, especially 2 Corinthians 2.15, the assumption is often that the gospel of Christ is bad news to those who are perishing and good news to those who are being saved. But in fact, the gospel is good news to the perishing and the being saved. But we have to picture the scene of a triumphal procession like the one in which Julius Caesar led the defeated Gallic general Vercingetorix in 46 BC, led to his death. We must put in his place death itself, the death of death. Elsewhere in the scriptures, the man of pride is likened to death in Habakkuk 2, 4, and 5. Both are destined to be plundered in Habakkuk 2.7. The death of the man of pride in you is certain. In me is certain. The man of pride perishes and disappears. You'll see this happening when many thoughts are revealed in 2023. So there are, there are, and this is very important to understand, there are, in fact, two distinct groups of people in this world in this present evil age as it runs its course to its inevitable end, which it's approaching right now with the speed of light. One is perishing, the other is the being saved. Both groups, however, are those for whom Christ gave himself as a ransom. For the man Christ Jesus is the mediator between God and all of humanity who has given himself as the ransom price for all of humanity. As it says, leading up to the stupendous statement of the universal saving significance of Christ and his universally saving impact of his cross in 1 Timothy 2, 5, and 6, God is the savior of all human beings, especially, but not exclusively, those who are believing. So you should put John 3, 16 with Romans 15, 13 to understand that believing results in an experience of peace and joy in the kingdom of God, in the Spirit, the Lord, the Spirit. So it's not that the fragrance of Christ smells like death to the perishing, but that he smells like the death of death. Jesus smells like the death of death. And Christ also smells of life from death that can only lead to life for all. Christ is the aroma of the death of death to all, to those who are currently perishing and those who are presently being saved, and he is the aroma of life leading to life in those who are dead in sins. He is both the fragrance of death to death and life to life, both to the perishing who are destined to be saved but who are not yet awakened to that reality 
and a message to the saved who are destined for a final salvation, but who are also already experiencing the life to come in a provisional and proleptic measure, very small increments of that life and hints of it and glimpses of it, what we experience most of all is the tapping of the chisel of the spirit wind of God, the spirit of grace. We don't always experience the glorious dynamics of the coming age, but just as miraculous, just as purposeful, is the ever tapping, ever tapping, ever tapping of the chisel of the divine Michelangelo. So, this is the apocalypse of 2023. Who is sufficient for these things? Who's sufficient to be a minister of the New Testament, the New Covenant? Well, Paul answers it right down the road in 2 Corinthians 3.5. Our sufficiency is from God, who has made us, the New Covenant community, able ministers of a New Covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit wind. A covenant of the t ever tapping spirit wind. Announcers of the rainbow sign, a new covenant, an everlasting covenant, rooted in better promises. Death to death, announced to the perishing, the disappearing ones. 1 Corinthians 1.18, those who are perishing consider the word of the cross foolish. They disappear. A lot of what you feel threatened by in 2022 and 2020 and 2021 will be revealed. False scientism will be revealed. There's a whole hell of a lot of false science. And people get behind it and say it's settled. It's fixed science. That's not true. God is going to reveal the hearts of people in politics, where they've been all along, to enslave you where it's been all along, why certain things have not only been allowed but touted and made to happen because of a power grab. These hearts are going to be revealed. The evil machinations of people are going to fall apart. And it's all because the light of this gospel is coming forth. It's all because of the aroma of our censors as we follow along the King's Highway on this wonderful procession. Good news to the perishing. Good news to the disappearing. You can be solidified with Christ. Good news to those that are being saved and yet who are ever being tapped by the chisel and sometimes discouraged under that ever tapping. Sometimes, again, as I said, the tapping seems like he's carved off a whole big chunk in our lives. I've had that experience a few times in my life where I said, wait, this is a little too much. You said you wouldn't give me too much. This is too much. And the Lord says, who said? I'll tell you what's too much. And he says, one more rep, one more lift, one more rep, one more lift. And you're maybe not speaking pleasantly, but you go through it. So in closing, the smell of death is offensively repulsive, but the smell of the death of death is pleasantly attractive. It's the aromatic blend of garments perfumed with costly myrrh, the smell of honey and sugar from aloe wood spice, of plums and peppers on a fire, of cinnamon. All of these are found in Psalm 45.9, Septuagint LXX, that is, 44.9. There's actually an aromatic fragrance for men. I happened to hit it by accident on my, one of the apps. And it's cinnamon and myrrh, which has a woody and warm spicy notes, as well as hints of citrus, vanilla, and sweet amber. If Jesus walked by, you'd say that. Well, cinnamon, notes of vanilla, notes of sweet sugar and honey, and woody and warm sandalwood. Wow, who, who is that? Oh, it's Jesus. He just walked by. He had 75 pounds of spices put on the garments that he passed through in resurrection, but he still smells like that resurrection spice as he walks by. That's the spices that are burning in our incense censers. He, Jesus Christ, him crucified, resurrected, exalted. He's the conqueror. He's the leader of the triumphal procession. 
And we are the new covenant community and the new apostolate atlot, the censor bearers everywhere along the route proceeding on the king's highway. Thank you, Father, for that picture. It's a removal of a veil on our hearts. It's a demonstration of what you have for us in 2023, the apocalypse of the conquering hero, the apocalypse of Christus Victor, the apocalypse of Christ Jesus. And we thank you, Father, for the privilege of being a part of his community that are solidified and anointed with him and anointed with the Apostle Paul and a sent representative and part of the ambassadorial function of the apostles of the early church. Thank you, Father, for we boldly say that we are the new apostolate on the level of our time. And these things are all extremely pertinent to us, relevant to us, applicable to us. So use this message and every message that comes forth from this pulpit as a means of equipping us for the work of this ministry, a ministry of mercy, a mission of grace, a mission of censors following the conqueror. May our gospel indeed proceed everywhere we go. And may it bring forth the aroma of the fragrance of Christ. I ask, Father, that you will lay the tracks now for messages that would come from this pulpit for to tell us thy phalanx and for the teachings that will go on in all of these rooms. I pray that you will lay tracks by the Spirit, the Lord, the Spirit, the ever-tapping Spirit wind that glorifies Jesus Christ. And we ask this in his name. Have your way, Father. Have your way, infinitely loving Abba, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your attentiveness.